Hello, welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, daf Lamed Bet, page 32, our final daf of Masachet Megillah. Oh, I didn't know we were going to get here so fast. It feels like we're getting here, you know, these Masachet are short and they pass by. Um, we're going to start. I think we need to the vast majority of this really short daf. I'm starting, I guess, halfway, a third of the way down. It says, Amar Rav Shvatya. Something like that. Amar Rav Sh- Rabbi Shvatya, Amar Rabbi Yochran, Hagolel Sefer Torah Tzarich Shiyam Denu Al HaTefer. So what happens? There are times, right, and we've mentioned this in the past, where you roll a Sefer Torah the right place that you want to be reading. So here we say that Rav Shvatya says in the name of Rabbi Yochran that when you do this rolling, you have to so that the seam, meaning the it says a al hatefer, the seam between the two sheets of the parchment of it, or the that when it's closed, you would see that between the two rolls of the scroll, right? Meaning you want to make sure that if anything was is I don't know if the Torah scroll itself is mishandled in any way that it would quote unquote tear. It wouldn't tear. It would rather be at the seam and then. It would tear at the in that from the thread or whatever, as opposed to actually tearing the text of the scroll. This is like a little bit of a complicated action on a very simple principle, right? We just don't want to tear the words of the Torah, but that, to get it to work out that way all the time, I imagine it's a bit of a challenge. And likewise, Rav Shvatya again quotes Rav Yochanan. He says, when you roll that Torah scroll. And you're going from one section to another, you make sure that you're rolling from the outside to the inside, meaning so that you have the rollers. Let's see if I can visualize this well enough. You have the you have the you have think picture the Sefer Torah on the Shulchan, right? On the table. And so that you have both of the rollers are going to be parallel to the person who's standing there. Meaning instead of being the reader, you're standing on the other side, the the perpendicular side, to roll it, right? And you pull and you pull it, and you pull it towards yourself, and you don't roll it from the inside. What would that mean? If you're rotating from the inside, you'd be taking that roller that's near you, and you'd be kind of pushing it away from you. And you don't want to do that, because if you do that and you mess up, then the whole thing is going to slide off and end up on the floor. I mean, like, you know, in the worst case scenario, right? <speaking in Hebrew> And when side of this is when you tighten the scroll, right? You you come to the new section and you want to like put it all back together, so to speak. You tighten it from the inside, meaning you roll the roller, the itzechayim, the wooden handle thing that's nearer to you, and you don't do it from the outside, meaning you don't pull the the roller that's far from you, because again, you don't want to like lean over the text of the Torah and block out the and block out the words, right? And then you have, it's considered like it's not polite. You want that text to be able to be seen. Okay. We have another statement. The same citations here. It's all the same topic, give or take. So they say that, Rabbi Yochanan says, right, that if 10 people are reading from the Torah, then the greatest among them is the one who should be doing the rolling. And that's supposed to be the big honor. So now I get days, I suppose this is what we call galila, right? When you come to roll the Sefer Torah, not to get to the right place per se, if you're in the wrong place, but simply the at the end of every at the end of every Torah reading, 
they put away the Torah by first rolling it, by tightening it together. So the claim here is that the person who does this rolling gets the reward, the same measure of reward as all of the rest, as all 10 of the other people. Um, because I don't know why, meaning it's not really given as an answer why. It's that it says specifically that he receives the work, the reward of all of everybody. And the Gemara says, wait, but really, is he really going to get the reward of everybody? All these people came up to read from the Torah. So it's not that he's getting the reward in place of them, but he's getting the equivalent reward, which I believe is the way I just described it, but I should have been more careful about that. Um, right, the implication of uh, he's getting their reward, um, right, it makes it sound like he's getting the reward in place of them. So the Gemara then corrects it to say, no, no, he's getting that same amount as if. But it's still a pretty big difference to say, like, simply for doing Galila, he's going to get the the greater reward. And I have to wonder if that's because maybe people kind of felt that they were left out by not reading from the Torah, only getting Galila. So then the, they kind of say, no, no, you're getting the biggest reward of all. So again, Rav Shatya says that Rav Yochan says that if you weren't sure what to do, right, and a bakol comes to tell you what you should do. So the question here is, how do you know that you can that that you can use the bakol? And so we've got a verse here. And you hear a voice, your ears will hear coming from behind you. And that's a verse from the Sefer Ishayahu, the book of Isaiah. And the implication is that you can you can follow it. You hear that voice, you can follow it. And these are the words, when, um, this is the words when you hear a male voice in the city. Meaning, apparently, the implication is that you did not, they did not usually hear because men were out in the fields, right? And likewise, you, you heard a female voice out in the fields because the women were not in the fields, the women were in the city. And of course, all kinds of things come to mind right away that call this into question, and I'm a little puzzled by it. Meaning, for example, I wonder why it is that there's a, an implication that only the men were in the fields and not the women, but okay, leave that as... Be that as it may, let's leave this you know, in the, with the assumptions that they have and the point of voice in a second or so that's going to be the back call that you could listen to or presumably vice versa, right? If you have a female voice where you expect only men and it's functioning as a back call, then you're good to listen to it. You can rely on it. And that means it's unusual I don't doubt it. And then what happens when the voice Yes, yes, or it says no, no, meaning it's not that that voice is now going to come give you like all kinds of intricate instructions, right? It's a it's a pretty basic kind of communication that gives you an answer to your decision that you can rely on the battle. Now, of course, one might say, why is all of this here, as opposed to the discussion of the Sefer Torah that we've just been discussing, rolling it and, and Galila and who's greater and so on? And I think the answer is pretty straightforward that we've really got here, Rav Shvatya talking in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, and and that's it. Meaning, like, so he said something else. So it's going to be included here because he's not Rav Shvat is not a a common name amongst Chazal. Rabbi Yochanan certainly is. But this 
these matters about the Torah scrolls absolutely belongs here. So then once those belong here and he's here, then the other statements in his name are also going to be included here. With this, I th- oh no, I've got one more. I'm sorry, then I'm going to turn it over to your data. Again, the statement is about, we're back to the Torah reading, and it says anybody who's reading from the Torah and does so without a melody, or you learn the Mishnah without a song. So then the, we've got a text, the text here quotes the verse from Yecheskel that says, I've also given you some chukim that are not good, right? Meaning, if you're going to be reading the Torah, you need to have that musicality with you. And likewise, if you're going to be learning, then the, the joy of the learning. And I would say that if even if the Gemara stopped at this point, I think we would have a really nice closing point on the Masechah because, because of this idea that we have um, from the Torah, from the learning uh, um, uh, in in the experience of it, but it's phrased here as a critique, right? It's not say, it doesn't say go sing your way through your learning. It says have that experience like, all right, so Nebuch, you, you, it's unfortunate you end up with an experience of God's laws that is simply not good. It's a little bit, I, I don't know. It, it's almost tongue in cheek. Go ahead, your Dana, it's your turn. Right. And then we're not going to end because we're going to get to an objection with Abaye. Matki play. Abai objects to this. Right? So he says, just because you don't know how to make your voice pleasant, you're going to say about him, right? You're going to say judgments, you know, he should not live, you know, karipe, right? Rather, right? You know, like that's really what you're going to say about him. Like that seems a little bit harsh. Right. Rather, we should say, according to Rav Misharshia, Damar, who said, Right. Who sin the same twi- uh, city and they're not pleasant to each other in matters of Allah. In other words, they fight with each other. You know, they don't agree with each other about Halakha. And he quotes the same pasuk. Uh, from Yechezkel to be about that type of situation. So it's interesting. It's not just that he rejects the premise, right? But he's going to say, no, this is actually what the Pasuk is talking about. The Pasuk is talking about two Tamidei Chachamim who live in the same city who argue. Parnach comes in the name of Yochanan. Anybody who holds a Sefer Torah, uh, an uncovered Sefer Torah, uh, they will be buried uncovered. So what do you mean that be buried uncovered, right? Why this is such a bad thing if you, and what they mean here is by like touching the actual scroll itself, right? We know now it has a cover on it, but if you were actually touch the Torah scroll itself, but they're saying, really, this is like worthy of this punishment. It'll be like he's buried uncovered, like without the merit of having done any mitzvot. Below mitzvot So then again, the Gemara says, "Really, we're going to say that all the mitzvot somebody did in their entire life are not going to count because they touched a, the scroll of the Torah?" Ella, Amar room below No, it'll be buried, uncovered without the mitzvah of this, uh, without the merit of this mitzvah, right? That he touched the parchment directly. Rabbi Yanai, the son of Rabbi Yanai Saba, sorry, of the elder. 
So it's Rabbi Yanai, uh, son of Rabbi Yanai, the elder, said in the name of Rabbi Yanai, the okay? It's proper that the cloth of the Torah be rolled around the scroll, right? And one should not roll the Torah scroll itself. And then finally, they just conclude with this. Pointing this pasuk from Vayikra, chapter 23, verse 44, which ends much of the reading that we do on the holidays, particularly on Pesach and Sukkot. Moses, right, Moshe declared to the children of Israel the appointed seasons, the Moadim of Hashem. So we learn from this is everybody needs to read uh, or you have to read uh, the Torah portion that relates to this in its appointed time, right? Right, that this price that teaches that Moshe made sure that the Jewish people would basically discuss the halakha that had to do with the day. So when it's Pesach, we should talk about the halakha of Pesach. Shavuos should be a Shavuos and Hilchot Chag Bechag and Halachot of Sukkot on Sukkot. And with that, we conclude Masachat Megillah, Hadron Alayich B'nei Ir, right? So that's the name of the parak. Husilka Lay Masachat Megillah. But I think it's sort of, it's interesting, like the end of this Masachat, and we haven't seen this with all Masachat, sort of tries to bring it together, what the entire chapter was talking about before. Sometimes we've seen particularly, like remember, the end of Yoma just kind of ends the Masachat. But here, there seems to be an editorial effort to really end it with something that sort of wraps everything up nicely. Which I think, I don't know, it feels that way. It makes sense to me that this Masachat Megillah seems to be well edited. I don't know if that's too arrogant of a statement to make, right? Like too grandiose of a statement to make that we can tell when there's, you know, strong editing of the Masachat. But I feel like, first of all, um, We've been able to talk about it in order, like even without having 10 chapters where the last chapter was the talk about today, right? I feel like throughout this Masachet, there's been an interweaving of that. I don't know. It just works. Although, again, I have to acknowledge that I have because I've learned Masachet Megillah a few times and because it's a short Masachet, it is entirely plausible that this is just me and not the Masachet at all. Yeah, but that I have a, the, I have a greater comfort quote. level. Right. The flow is very, very tight. I would agree with you. It's different than some of other Masakto. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Please join us on our CM. God willing, with Monday, January 16th. Tomorrow we'll be beginning Masachat Moed Katan. Uh, always a good time to invite friends and family to join us if they have not started DAP Yomi. Masachat Moed Katan is a great Masachat to start with. And then we have Chagiga and then we'll be closing out on Moed. So if anybody has any ideas, we're already starting to think of some of that last seum uh, of Chagiga, of how we should celebrate the the end or completion of all the Masechtot in Moed. Let us know. Um, and until tomorrow, go and learn.